previously on the BFF podcast. I just finished my beer. Is it time for another beer? I, you know I, I'm ready for another one. Actually. We're, we're, we're an hour. Let's go get another one. I'm down with yeah, it. Yeah, All yeah. right. Vote on my next beer. I'm repping local. Okay. Right here. What is that? Put it in front of my face so it shows up. We've got an alluvial Aurochs stout with raspberries. And that's a big boy. That's actually, you know, like the Crowler size. Yeah, that's Crowler. 32 ounce. 32 (laughs) ounce. Or Torrent. Which is uh, in downtown Ames. This is their Tornadic IPA, and this is just a a sixteener. So, you guys, uh, you guys make the call. I'm Uh, gonna say the big boy, big boy. Because you know what? (laughs) If you don't finish it with us on this, uh, the rest of this episode, that means you're gonna have to finish it right after, anyways. (laughs) It's nine o'clock at night, and I get up at four to go to the gym and work out. Oh boy! Well. I guess, I guess you, you're going to have to work, you know, a few extra calories, and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> cheers. Cheers oh, to that, Jeff. All right. Big boy beer. Yep. Actually, I'm going to talk about again? my beer a little okay. bit. Uh, I looked at it, and I was kind of second-guessing. I was like, maybe I shouldn't do this one because it is um, – it's a left-hand brewing company. It's oh, out nice. in Colorado. Yep. 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 And it's a imperial stout. Nice. And, whoop, that's what the Oroch is. The Imperial. It's an Imperial Stout. Nine point six ABV. Yeah. As soon as I saw Imperial, I was like, "Oh, oh this is gonna be." <laughs> then I looked at the ABV. Nine point Not as strong as yours, Jeff. But man, I had to do the back pocket again. That's uh That's the only uh, beer I have right now in the the fridge. I'm doing the the back pocket brewing again. This the dark lager slingshot dunk. So it's back pocket. Is that out of the Des Moines area or is that one of the Iowa City ones? I believe it's one of the Iowa Corville, I think. Uh, yeah, Corville. All right. Corville. Somebody might, yeah. If, if anybody listen to this, uh, comment or respond, let me know. I think it's Corville, though, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So there's another one in Iowa City and Solon. Ah, I got to tip of my tongue. I know, I know what you're talking about. Ah, fudge. Yeah, back pocket's out of Corville. And what was, oh, yeah. what was the. There's another one out there. Of, yeah, the I know. One I know. out of Solon. Yeah, um, big a, Grove. Yes, oh, big, big Grove. Big Grove. Grove. Yep, 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 they yep. have great beer. They do. Um, get to Southwest Iowa. Keg Creek makes some really solid beer. Yes, they do. We're and you're going to be up in Mesa. Are you going to be up in Clear Lake? Lake yeah, time makes some. Lake time. Yeah. Or yeah. that Oreo. Was it Oreo uh, Speedwagon Oreo yep. one? Ore, oh. Oreo Speedwagon. Oreo, Oreo Speedwagon. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> but no, I, that's a good one. <laughs> I just uh, had their. Uh, the the their double IPA I forgot what it was called oh man that one's that one's that one's a doozy but I like it yeah yeah so just foreshadowing I don't know if this uh because you we might as well just do a second episode we if you have time Jeff um what we'll do we can just split up it doesn't even matter well I'll let I'll let fishing kit decide on that but uh but we can foreshadow in a sense um I, I do you know Bruno right oh yeah I okay. I. I'm not like friends, like Ross is friends with him, but I've met him <laughs> and yeah, I, I know who Bruno is. Yeah. So he, you- I mean, anybody who's in the craft beer industry in, in Iowa, I mean, 
they know him. So yes. uh, we uh, I actually uh, got the confirmation that we're going to have him on. So we're going to talk nice. uh, with him. Um, he's going to drop a lot more beer knowledge than me. But well, I... I better have more fishing knowledge than him or we're in <laughs> But that's okay. Hey, we are called beer fish fanatics. It's not one or the other. It's both of them. So yep. we, we talk about both. We love both. So, um, but no, no, fishing kit, I think you, you had a, uh, a question before um, we had to go and restock. What, what was your question, sir? Oh, yeah. So there's this survey kind of going, going around Facebook right now. I'm pretty sure you've probably seen or heard something about it, but there's a there's a flathead peti- petition going around. I think the uh, the conditions is like they're trying to get this peti- petition signed for changing the regulation for flatheads for being one over 30 inches. Okay. I believe. So like how how does something like that like to the DNR? Is that like something you guys look at or, or even would consider? So let's go back to the pan or the bluegill bag limit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we were talking about that earlier in the, in the recording, Mm -hmm. there was an active group out of the, um, Iowa Great Lakes area that was pushing their state representative to have these bag limits changed. And in general, I feel like we should let the science and the data tell us what we should be doing about bag limits rather than a social experiment. Right, right. <laughs> and and honestly, like I said, in order to actually make a difference in terms of harvest, we would have had to cut it down to five. Mm-hmm. A 25 fish bluegill and crappie bag limit is a social limit. It's not, it, it, that's a social regulation. It's not a biological regulation. Oh. So you ask me about flatheads. 3% of anglers in the state of Iowa fish for flathead catfish. Mm-hmm. So we've got 300 thousand anglers so out of a hundred thousand anglers we've got what you know out of a hundred anglers there's three out of a hundred thousand there's 300 so you know we there's not a ton of flathead anglers out there there are a lot more flathead catfish than there are flathead catfish anglers do we understand the interest in flathead catfish regulations absolutely do we think that it's worthwhile to protect those bigger fish? You bet. Do we think that there is a an overharvest problem of those fish right now? No. The, the, the data tells us that we do not have an overharvest issue with flathead catfish at this juncture. Okay. Okay. No, that's so, fair. That's that's definitely fair because you guys have the data and and, and us as as like you're just saying the general public and I mean we're just kind of going off of what we see yeah, and we yeah, right. we're, we're kind of like on the outside looking in. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And and absolutely there is an active interest group of flathead anglers that would like to see more of those fish protected and we understand that and we hear that. And 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 we look at the data and say Is it justified for us to add a regulation that is potentially unnecessary because we aren't seeing a problem in that population that needs to be regulated? And Mm -hmm. so that's where, like like I said in the beginning, our regulation book is this thick Mm -hmm. and other states' regulations books are this thick. Do we need to overregulate that? And, and, And I'm not saying we wouldn't consider it, 
But at this juncture, we don't feel that it's necessary. But if, you know, if people really want it, absolutely, we'll look at it. You know, we'll address it. And, and I'm, I'm giving you right now some of the data, you know, or some of the information from the data we have collected in the past as to why, what would or wouldn't be involved in making that decision. No, that okay. makes sense. No, that's, that's yeah. I mean, I mean, because like you say, a lot of people just, they just see what they see. And they, they're just going to have their own judgment, but then not having the, the data, like you're saying, I think that definitely helps. Uh, I, I kind of want to go into a little bit more of, of your job a little bit because we were talking yeah. about that was um, so when you go out to the lake, so you, you guys do the netting and all you do the netting and all that stuff, too, correct? So I, I do precious little of that. Since we're since like we were talking about before this new data system and stuff, uh-huh. I'm actually doing a lot of it this year because okay. I'm going out and helping and training and doing stuff like that. Cool. But um, on a normal year, I don't get to do as much of that, but uh-huh. we do do a lot of that. That's important to us to go out to sample these systems, to get a feel for what's out there and to be able to provide that information to our anglers. So when you guys are doing the netting stuff, can you... Um... I'm curious because I see because I see because, you know, I follow, you know, the Iowa DNR thing on Facebook. I see all those pictures yep. of the these are monsters. I mean, you guys are I, I don't know how you guys net or you guys obviously know where to to freaking take the damn net, first of all. But I'm just I swear I look at it, I'm like, no way that's from that freaking lake. There's no way that's from and then bear in mind, it's right there. I'm just like, OK, so how do you guys figure out where to net and how, how does that work? How do you, how you guys get them okay so uh so we do a variety of different things let's uh in the spring a lot of fish species go shallow to spawn so in the spring we take our shocking boats and we go and we sample for bass and bluegill and sometimes crappie in the spring with electrofishing we target those fish species in these lakes to weigh them to measure them to count them to see the health to see how many of them there are etc and we will break a lake up into different zones and we will uh, do a 15 minute shocking run in each zone just to get an overall sample of what's going on in the lake and so for those species we sample in the spring we don't see any catfish when we do that. So in the summer, we set what we call baited hoop nets. And we put, just like there's stink bait, when you go fishing for catfish, mm-hmm. we put some bait like that in these nets. And that attracts the catfish and the catfish swim into the nets. And again, we will set nets in four or six or eight different spots in the lake. And we'll come back a couple days later and pull the nets and, you know, weigh, measure, count, et cetera, everything else for those catfish. Hmm. This time of year right now is when we do our, our panfish netting. So we, again, will set nets in four, six, eight locations throughout a lake, and uh, we'll set them along the shore, and it's a passive thing. We just put the, the, the net out there, and the fish will swim across, and as they're swimming the shoreline, they'll hit that net and they'll go sideways and then they'll swim into the part of the net that captures them. Hmm. And we don't, other states will set what are called gill nets that, that hold the fish by the, their gills, but will kill the fish. Hmm. We don't do that here in Iowa. We set nets that 
uh, we let the fish go at the end and, and they go back into the system and they're perfectly fine. That's so our awesome. bike netting in the fall is for crappies and bluegills and red ears and stuff like that. And so then we sample all those fish in the fall. So we're trying to sample all the different fish species that are in that system to get a handle on what's going on with each one. If there's anything we need to do for that lake or for a, our particular species. We also do targeted things for walleyes and yellow bass in certain systems. We do targeted things for muskies. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot going on. In some of our big natural lakes, like Spirit Lake and Okaboji, mm -hmm. we go out and do what we call a beach seine to look at the young of the year fish, the newly hatched fish in the summer, and we we count those fish. And so, and we've been doing this honestly in some systems for almost a hundred years. Wow. And so, wow. when you do that year in and year out, you get a handle on. What can we expect with what we see right now for the anglers to be able to catch? And, and when you do it in a consistent manner year after year, then you can build, you know, comparison trends through time. And so that's, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of science to what we're doing to try and manage the fisheries that you guys get to utilize. So what's this uh, catfish bait? <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> love that that's awesome man. so what we use is called soybean cake but mm. we leave it out there for three days it's not that smelly it you know and it stays so um unless you're gonna sit there for three days with you know <laughs> it on your hook you probably want something commercial that's a little more stinky and might get them to react faster. okay okay as a, as someone that targets catfish, I'm like, huh? You guys, well, what's what's what is this secret catfish bait? <laughs> I was gonna, you're right. Like, okay, I see. I saw, I saw the walleye. You guys did it. What did you guys? You know, no, I I got that. I got that. The stink. Now, yeah. getting back to getting back to what you said about the pictures of the fish. Yeah. Everybody loves pictures of big fish. So when we True. get big fish, we take pictures of big fish to put it on the internet so you guys can see it. Actually, oh, yeah. But the funny thing that goes along with that is, so like Prairie Rose Lake, I was looking at the data from like the last five years, just a couple days ago. And when we do our, our bluegill sampling over there, we have never sampled in our nets or shocking a 10 inch bluegill at prairie rose lake but i've caught them there i mean i know mm. a half a dozen or more people who have all gone to prairie rose and caught a master angler 10 inch plus bluegill so the thing is we sample great big fish with our nets and our shocking and everything else i guarantee you there are bigger fish out there than we catch because mm. i i mean we know that you look at what anglers catch and anglers always catch bigger fish in those systems than what we get in our sampling you know because we have certain restrictions on what we do and how we do it and so it's it's not that our sampling our sampling gives a true reflection of what's there but it doesn't always get like the big outlier fish that are mm -hmm. there you know because they they tend to not hang out necessarily in the shallower water where we shock or something like that so I guarantee, and we've actually done some research looking into this, there are almost always more and bigger fish in these systems than our surveys actually show. But if our surveys show that there's big fish there, 
then that's probably a place you want to go because you're probably even going to do better than what our survey showed. Mm, good to know. Like yeah, I mean, this is that's that's one. Of, I'm I'm a researcher, and I I'm in our research section of the Fisheries Bureau, mm -hmm. and so these are questions that I want to try and figure out. I've I've actually looked at. I do a lot with our tournament program too. And I've looked at what are the catches that are reported by our tournament anglers versus what are the um, things that we see in our surveys. And they're always catching bigger fish than what we see in our surveys. Same mm -hmm. thing with our master angler program. Tons of big fish being caught that we don't necessarily see those biggest fish in our surveys, but a lake that you're getting a lot of master angler catches from, we also see a lot of bigger fish not as big as they're catching but there's a greater proportion of those bigger fish in those systems they yeah. they reflect each other but you know anglers certainly catch more bigger fish than what we are observing in our unbiased um sampling yeah and mm. that master angler program is awesome i think people really love it i think it, it it's a it's a chance for them to kind of show show off their you know their catch obviously um, I think like you're, I think more people should submit because like you're saying, cause they don't realize you, they're helping the data, right. In a sense. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so kit yesterday, you're supposed to submit <laughs> that when you catch a freaking 19 inch white bass. I'm just saying, Absolutely. man, this guy, yeah, but you know, I should, I should. Yeah. But no, no, it's true. So, you know, when people are listening to this podcast, I, I, I want you guys to know, like, you know, you, you get a little recognition and everything, but on top of that, you're helping the data. So, you know, you can help yourself in the future in regards Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Um, and knowing. that's, I oversee a lot of the technology projects for Iowa DNR, especially on the fishery side of things. So the whole master angler program is something that I, that's one of my babies. The, awesome. the lake survey data is one of my babies. The, uh, the fishing atlas is, is one of my babies. So mm. yeah, all kinds of good stuff out there. Can, can you talk about uh, like the tagging program? Is that part of the sampling and survey stuff? Oh, absolutely. Any fish that we tag, it has been part of, uh, we tagged it as, as part of our survey, or if it's um, sometimes we put tags in the, in the flesh of the fish, especially the muskies mm -hmm. that we, um, well, the technology is basically the same as if you, walk out of walmart and there's those tags that they deactivate so they don't set off the alarms when you walk out of walmart mm -hmm. we put those same kind of tags in fish and you know so those are individualized tags that we put in the fish so when we get a fish uh in you know while we're sampling we can run a detector over top of that fish and see if it's you know come from our hatchery which fish it is when did we stock it how much has it grown all that kind of stuff. So we, mm -hmm. we keep records of all that kind of stuff with tags that you may not see, but then we also have the tags that you do see on, on a number of fish too. Huh? Yeah. I, I know, I know that there's like reward programs for some of those too. We had a, we had a program at big Creek and brushy Creek with uh, some of our muskies and walleyes. That's not, uh, that has been, I, I don't want to say terminated, it's something, it was a thing we were doing with a particular research project and we're moving on from that research project at this time. Okay. Um, you know, at Big Creek, if you fished that, when you go down the, the canal, 
there's this big fish barrier at the spillway to keep the fish in the lake. Mm-hmm. So we were doing a comparative study between Big Creek and Brushy Creek Lake just because we did not have a fish barrier at Brushy Creek. And what the project showed us was, yes, a lot of walleyes and muskies leave when you don't have the fish barrier. And when you do have the fish barrier, it prevents them from leaving. We kind of knew that would be the case, but we are a science-based organization. Mm -hmm. You don't like say, by golly, I know this is how it's going to be. So we're just going to go put these fish barriers everywhere. No, we need the science. We need the data. We need to be able to prove scientifically, yes, this works. This is the degree to which it works. This is what we need to do if we want to improve these systems. And so now we're actually, this summer, we drew down our Brushy Creek Lake and we installed a fish barrier at Brushy Creek, like the one we have at Big Creek, to improve the fishing there, to keep more walleyes and muskies in that system instead of swimming out when the water gets high. So, makes totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, but speaking of muskies, so just, um, I just want to, you know, just for my own personal <laughs> reward, um, we're going up to Clear Lake this weekend, so... We've never caught a muskie. I've never caught a muskie. I don't think. Have you ever caught a muskie, Kit? Nope. So we're going to Clear Lake. Any advice for us? We're going up to Clear Lake that you would recommend that we can possibly catch this dinosaur, this unicorn of a, of a fish by chance? Where, I'm like gonna... location or lure, anything, man. <laughs> anything, Jeff, that you can give us right now. Because I, I have been, honestly, I haven't really targeted muskies. But I've always wanted to catch a muskie. So you ever talk to the fishing guide, you know, when you go on a trip and he says you should have been here last week or shoot kind of deal. So here's the deal (laughs) in especially in late summer, August and September, those muskies lie underneath the docks in Clear Lake. Really? It's October. 90% of the docks are out already. Oh, they are. So when I say you should have been here last week, my educated guess (laughs) is that 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 habitat, that dock that was providing them, you know, a hiding spot habitat is not there anymore. So they are on the move. Mm. And so in August and September, when it's, easier to target muskies on clear lake mm-hmm. you've missed that window oh well now we know sailed. i know man now <laughs> we know now we know but i mean we, we still have a chance but it's like you just, yes absolutely you have a chance there's a fantastic population but the easiest time to catch them was not last week but last month gotcha so, well, wow. so I, I don't mean to to throw water on the fire, but All I right. don't want you to think, <laughs> my goodness, we're going to go catch a muskie this yeah. weekend. No, I, I, I think that um, I think that there are better times gotcha. to do that. Now, it's a fantastic time to catch a muskie different places. And you should talk to my buddy Pete Hildreth with Iowa Muskie Guide Service. And I hmm. he'll put you on muskies. Okay. He really will. He's fantastic. Huh. I got a bunch of buddies in the in the musky world. I've never caught one either. I went out with what? Pete one day though. <laughs> yep. I I uh, a buddy of mine and I hired Pete. We well we actually Pete donated a fishing trip and uh, on a on an auction and I bought it 
And um, so we went and we had a couple of follows and it was super cool. It was awesome. We fished big or uh, we fished Brushy Creek and, and I, I'm going to go again one of these days, but you know, it's just, yeah. this is not the time the, every, there's a time in life for everything. And right now is not that my time in life for that. Gotcha. But, um, <laughs> and, and next this weekend on Clear Lake may not be your time for catching a muskie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh catch some of them monster crappies up there that i would target okay. the uh i would target the little lake i would target around the um the cattails i mean kevin's gonna take you where you need to go but well, we're not gonna fish with kevin i think he's i don't know we i don't know if he's busy or not but we'll see um but we we told him we'll, we'll swing by the store we'll swing by and see him real oh, yeah. quick and then yeah. uh he'll hopefully he'll get us on something but uh yeah, we were just going to go and explore because I think uh, fishing kid here, she's just going to go camp uh, a couple nights up there. And uh, my kids only allow me one day. <laughs> so I get to go Sunday all day, hopefully. Yeah. And then that's about it. So where are you going to camp? Are you going to camp at McIntosh or Clear Lake State Park? Uh, probably McIntosh. I think that's best. Yeah. I think if you're fishing the little lakeside McIntosh, just, just get your kayak and go out and around all of the different kind of – there are – I don't know if you want to call them pods of cattails and reeds all the way around, you know, out from there. Mm-hmm. And I think the fish are going to be congregated around those things. Hmm. And then if you go out into the big part of the lake, go around the point and into the big part of the lake in the reeds along McIntosh and along the North shore along there, I think you probably catch fish there too. You may not have to leave the little lake at all, though, at all. Hey, that that would just make it easier. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, because we're, I mean, I think we're, obviously we just want to catch whatever, but I think we're definitely going to target yellows and if we can get a muskie, that that was going to be icing on the cake. But I think uh, that's good to know for next year. Okay. So (laughs) I'm telling you, though, target crappies, really. Okay. Okay. Mm. So it's been, it's been a few years ago now, but I, some of my coworkers and I had an annual trip to Clear Lake every year in May. We would go to the island. We'd grab our waders, go to the island, mm-hmm. fish out off of the point, and catch the heck out of yellow bass. And then the yellow bass kind of, they just kind of dropped down a little bit. So mm-hmm. one year we didn't, we weren't doing well there. We went over to the little lake and we started wading out around the cattails and everything. And I got into one little nook and I swear I was catching 12 inch crappies time after time, after time, after time. Hmm. And everybody else is like, what the heck is he doing? (laughs) Catching some stinking nice crappies is what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, The first time, the first time I started catching those clear lake crappies, I was like, wow, I was surprised. This is like, how come nobody talks about this? Yes. (laughs) And the bluegills have gotten pretty awesome too. And there's really, I mean, the largemouth and smallmouth population in Clear Lake has really exploded. I mean, it's still known as a walleye lake, mm-hmm. but the bass, bluegill, crappie in Clear Lake are really r- remarkable. Would you say that's one of the, the best lakes? Like, I mean, because I, I, I guess, no, because I think all the lakes have their um, pros and cons, I guess, in a way. So I, I was going to say, is that one of the best fisheries? But I, I just really think all of Iowa lakes is really amazing when it comes to fishing. So I, I guess, you know, was... there are, 
there are fantastic opportunities at Clear Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, East Okaboji isn't a fantastic lake. It's shallow. It's kind of murky. Mm-hmm. You can catch 17 master angler yellow bass in an afternoon. They're just like, boom, pull, boom, boom. <laughs> and the muskies in East Okaboji are phenomenal. Really? Crazy. I mean, mm. I used to go up there to do our walleye netting, and we, I didn't know it. It was a big DNR critic kind of guy, big musky angler. I didn't know him. Somebody asked if I'd be willing to take him out in my boat, and I said, sure. I don't know if he'd caught five muskies in his life in East Ogoji, and we took him out, and he's like, oh my goodness, there are all these muskies in East, o- <laughs> East Ogoji. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. Wow. You know, West Okaboji is a fantastic fishery. The bluegills in there are phenomenal. Mm. Smallmouth in Big Spirit Lake, walleye in Big Spirit Lake, yellow perch in Big Spirit Lake. Mm. I mean, like you say, there are fantastic fisheries everywhere. Yeah. And and I mean, if you want to be, if you just want to catch an awesome fish. There's a five-pound carp within 10 minutes of every Iowan. Agreed. I mean, seriously. Agreed. And and that fish in, you know, a small stream or a medium-sized river will make your heart skip a beat the way it's fighting in a stream. We have untapped opportunities like crazy. Yeah, I heard there's, like, huge, like, channel cats, like, bigger than your average, I guess, average iowa catfish up at the igls where i'm talking about like double digit pounders absolutely there are i've had them in my hands Mm, no question if you go on the north side of spirit lake the northwest corner big sandy beach out from the northwest corner and uh we've seen them in our nets that are just toads just Mm. huge you know like go go jug fishing out there or you know, set up overnight with a bunch of chicken livers or whatever, hmm. you will catch monster catfish. But the same thing, I can tell you the exact same thing. You could do that exact same thing around the mile long bridge on Taylorville. I mean, if you go drift fishing up in there, you now it's gotten more and more filled in with sediment. You know, it used to be you'd go just north of it, but now you might want to be more around it mm-hmm. kind of thing. But there mm-hmm. are stinking big catfish in Sailorville too hmm. and great big flatheads i mean yeah. like i've held in my arms 60 pound flatheads flatheads oh, man. wow <laughs> oh yeah i i didn't know enough to know whether it would break the record or not but i took one to johnson bacon bait and tackle uh to get it weighed because we knew it really really big might be a record guy was out there fishing for hybrids and had a 60 plus pound flathead was he using a spoon i think i've seen pictures of that fish probably not this fish but there's there's been more than one okay so sailorville kit and we're gonna go get some flatheads because he, we haven't tar- I, I don't think i've never really targeted flatheads like um just you're right i think about that there's not that many flathead targeting or anglers you're right on no that. there's there's not i mean the ones that do are 
pretty serious about it. Yes, yeah. yes, I agree. Yes, this guy, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. River Certified. Yes, yes, Mr. Yeah. Spencer. He was he's definitely um, yep. watching his channel and everything. Is it's definitely uh, makes me want to. I just um, the only thing is like it seems like they only bite at night. So I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to stay overnight at times or stay too late with the kids. So I still got I, I, too many kids. I'm right are too there young. with you, man. Three no. daughters. <laughs> I got you beat Jeff. I got four. I got a seven, five, three, eight months old daughters. You're crazy. I know, man. They say it all the time, man. They go. Yeah. yeah. Mine are 16, 12 and nine. Ooh, I, I'm, I'm, I'll be there one day pretty soon. Few, so few more years, few more years. I'll be there, and then I'll have that little extra little nugget on the bottom. So you know, she's, uh, she's getting a little big too. But nope, they, uh, yeah, I, my, my fishing times is limited, so I have to watch his channel to, to get my, you know, <laughs> fishing. I don't know whatever you call it jollies in you know yeah, I had to sell my boat and buy a kayak because I spend so much time in the spring with my kids playing sports that I sold my boat man but the kayak rough. you know the kayak thing is it's I like it because you can just literally drop it anywhere and go and you're you're on the water and you don't have to winterize your boat winterize your motor maintain your trailer all this other. I'm like when the time comes, I'll have a boat again, but mm -hmm. I don't use my boat enough to justify having it. We've got, well, we've got five kayaks. There's five of us, my wife and three daughters, and we have five kayaks. So That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Do you do you fish out of your kayak then? I do have a, I have one that I I is mine that I specifically fish out of. Yeah. All right, we got oh, we, we got to nice. get together. We got to get together with Jeff. Then we got to go somewhere because uh, you live up in Ames, right? You still live I do. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll, hey. You know what we gotta do, Kit? Now, because Ames ain't too far. No, and but oh. he did tell us where's the good wiper spot. He does. It, we, we gotta go there because it's up there. You gotta you gotta work hard though, and it's more of a summer fishery where you see oh, them busting the shad on the mm. surface. So okay. Well, here's the crazy thing. No, here's the crazy thing about that Ada Hayden fishery: the rainbow trout that we stock in the winter in Ada Hayden. Mm -hmm. Ada Hayden is cool enough and deep enough that those fish survive over the summer. And in the summer, the wipers and the rainbow trout school up together and attack the shad together. Wow. Really? Yes. Holy crap, man. How can we, how can we didn't tell me, Kit? <laughs> uh, I heard it's a tough place to fish, just like, just like you said, you know, it, it it's is tough. tough. And, and so, like, you're out in your kayak somewhere and all of a sudden... 200 yards away you see the surface start busting mm -hmm. you're cut you know, <laughs> paddle 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 by the time you get there they've moved on it, ah, it's, it's tough it's okay it's tough still gotta try it now though you gotta no pain, no gain there you yeah. go yeah hey you can't catch them at home that's right hey man <laughs> right. i'll take another refill later <laughs> Maybe if I, I, it depends on how the game goes. I'm recording it, so we'll, we'll see. Oh, by the way, I, I didn't say anything about this, but everybody, I am. This is how important Jeff is to us tonight. I am. <laughs> I am not I, watching a minute of the Bears game right now. They're, they're playing right now, so I completely said. Well, see. it's a good thing that you got me on on a Thursday night because Saturday, I I like to watch the Bears. I like to watch the Packers. I like to watch the Chiefs. I'm a cyclone fan. Hey, the, you know, that, okay. that takes all my energy. 
I don't have the energy to be an NFL fan of any team <laughs> because all my energy goes into being a Cyclone fan. I I, I understand. I, I actually went to Iowa State, but I was that guy that went to Iowa State that's a Hawkeye fan. So you, know, you, I, you, you can just imagine my buddies completely hating on me the whole time. So You were the guy that if I saw you playing hoops in the wreck, I'd, I'd probably throw an elbow. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I would be that guy that's wearing a – you serious wearing an Iowa shirt playing basketball in the rec center? I, I was that guy, but yeah, it's all right. But and, hey, and I did. was that I was that guy that just give you a little extra. <laughs> but yeah, hey, you guys beat Oklahoma in uh, what sixty plus years? That was that was a that was a good game last week. And you know, I root for Iowa State no matter what, as long as it's not when they're playing Iowa. So how many how many fans were at that game last weekend? Do you know? Oh. I don't know. Was it 10, 15,000? They say 13,000 and change. You were there. Hell yes. I don't miss. It's been 60 (laughs) years. That's a a lot of people don't realize that's, that's a lifetime. It (laughs) is. It's a lifetime since the last time you guys beat in Oklahoma. That's in, uh, in Ames, Ames, 60 years since we beat them in Ames, Ames, Mm, but still it, I don't care. That's 60 years, man. That's a long time, long time. So that's awesome. It's awesome. But we, we, we got to get with you because um, I don't mind. I, I want to go check out, uh, like Fishing Kit says, we, I like to try new new bodies of water and yep. just kind of fish it out. And But now hearing uh, – because we've now, seen off- – Offline, I've got another place for us, us to go fishing. Okay. But it's kind of small. I don't want, like, everybody going there. But there's another oh. place we should maybe go check out in the really near future. Sounds good, okay. sir. Sounds but good. I ain't <laughs> mad at that. Yeah, I, I know things. <laughs> I think he knows a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. One or two things. <laughs> One or One two, or two things. things. Uh, you got anything else for? I mean, we're keeping. I mean, this is awesome because I am. I, we're going to obviously split this into two episodes because, but this is badass to me because i have gained so you much guys knowledge. Ask the questions. I'll provide the answers. I got. Okay. I mean, go ahead, Kit. All right. So, like, <laughs> With the fish sampling and uh, tagging fish and stuff, like can can the average angler like volunteer their time to help? Because I know I think I know of some people that have done it. I wasn't sure if you need like some kind of I don't know what's what's the deal with that. Okay, so um, especially when we're working on walleyes and stuff in the spring, that that's when we take volunteers. So mm. more often than than any other time of the year, um, like when we're doing are shocking in the spring if let's say we are going to uh what's an example um uh well here in here in ames there's a little mcfarland park is northeast of town mm-hmm. it's a little county conservation board area we'll call up the county conservation board and say hey somebody want to come out and help us shock and so we'll get those folks to help us shock for a day or you know an evening or whatever um it doesn't happen as often, you know, like with our shocking and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when we're working on walleyes and stuff in the spring, that's when we need more volunteers, when we can use more help. Now, having said that, with COVID and everything else, we've like really pulled back right now. So mm-hmm. we're like, we aren't even working with each other, our coworkers very much right now. We're very separated and it may be, you know, a year or longer before we kind of get back into that mode of having people come and help us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because we just don't know how this thing's going to go. If we're going to take help, 
in the spring when we're doing walleyes at night at a place like Big Creek or Brushy Creek or something like that. That's that's when and where we do that. Oh, because yeah, that's something like I want to do. Like I want to see, you know, the process, and I want to yeah. see big fish. You know, I'll, I'll bring my GoPros and stuff. Like I just well, want to see you know, it all. So Ross has you talked to Ross earlier this week, maybe? Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ross has been out with me at Big Creek, and he had his GoPro and everything else, and then he provided all that stuff to our other friend Andy Fails, and he mm-hmm. had that on Channel Thirteen News. So, oh, yeah, okay. it's yeah. Have you guys had Andy on? Have you talked to not, him at all? Not yet. Um, I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm so yeah, working. You, so slowly going up the 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 food chain yeah, of, of, of amazing knowledge. He loves yeah. to fish. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I'll, I'll definitely reach out to Andy because I, I was yeah. working on that. But actually, I want to talk to you a little bit. Uh, bringing Ross up is um your 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 podcast. So mm-hmm. it was so cool because um I know I know you sent it to me and and I've actually ran into your guys' podcast about a month. Like I was telling you, I ran to about a month or two ago. I was like, I had no idea that you guys had this podcast. So if anybody was wondering, like it was just an Iowa DNR podcast. I was like, what the heck? And I ran to it and then, then, then I just ran to Ross and then I ran to you. And then I was just like, holy cow, this podcast is, is so informative. How, how'd you guys come up with it? Um, can you just tell people who are listening to this that what what is your podcast all about and everything? Okay, so every month, uh, and we've been doing this since 2016 or 2017. Yeah, that's, that's what he We're said. Almost, yeah. I mean, we, we do a monthly, not, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. when you go month by month, we're almost to... 50 uh episodes now nice. and when you're once a month that you've been doing it for a while that's a long yeah. time yeah um so we get together and we talk about what's going on fishing in the state of iowa i've got you know i know all the fish guys around the state so we know what's going on we talk about um we talk about fish we talk about fishing we talk about where we've been fishing and how that's gone where you ought to think about going fishing this next month um and we do try to integrate like fish science so you guys asked about bag limits Mm -hmm. we've talked about bag limits we've talked about slot limits we've talked about you know the one over all that kind of stuff we try to integrate i try to integrate fish science into our podcasts and we also talk to a variety i mean i know fish people all over the world so uh, like this last month, we talked to the, the past president of the American Fishery Society about the impacts of climate change on fisheries. Uh, earlier this year, I've got a buddy at the University of Nebraska who's co- um, studying the channel catfish in the Red River of the North between Minnesota and North Dakota. That's probably the premier catfish fishery maybe in the world. Wow. And, and so we talked to him. We've talked to, I've got a friend who is a um, a Lake Michigan salmon biologist. And so we've talked about the salmon fishery in Lake Michigan. We've talked to the the next world record brown trout will be caught out of Lake Lake Tanicomo in Missouri. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. That fish already exists in that system. It just takes somebody catching it. They've broken the world record or they've broken the wow. state record four times this year. Wow. Whoa. And and the world record is is living in that system. Hmm. So the guy that runs the trout hatchery on Lake Tanicomo, we had him on last year. So I mean, we have 
really cool guests. Uh, we're planning on, uh, I, I don't know if you guys know much. I mean, crappie fishing is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And if you get down south, crappie fishing in the winter can be phenomenal. You're catching three, four, five pound crappies left and right. And so uh, one of my co-hosts, Tyler Stubbs, who's our urban biologist in Des Moines, he used to be a biologist in Mississippi where the like the big four crappie fisheries are in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have one of the managers from down there on later this fall um, nice. and talk about crappie fishing down south. So, I mean, we... We have guests from all over the place just talking about cool fishing stuff. So, yeah, cool. talk about Iowa stuff, talk about Midwest stuff, talk about places around the Midwest and around the country you should go fishing. Yeah, so that's that's what we do. It's pretty awesome. We have cool. a great time. And I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll have Fishing Kit put the, the link to the uh, uh, podcast in the show notes and everything. So it's pretty cool. No, no, it's um, that's. I'm definitely uh, listening every month now. It's like, it's, it's, it's very um, informative. I love it. I mean, if you're a fisherman, if you're a true fisherman, you're going to want to listen to it. That's all. That's all I have to right. say. And, and so another one of my baby projects is the Iowa DNR, the weekly fishing report mm-hmm. that the Iowa DNR yes. sends out. So yes. that's, that is, I, I designed the, um, the database behind that and, nice. and where that goes out. And on the DNR fishing report webpage is a link to all of the historic fishing report podcasts that Ross mm-hmm. and I have been doing for the last many years. That's so, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be sure to put all that stuff up too. And I think, um, your weekly, uh, uh when you sign up to get that, the, the newsletter, all my in-laws <laughs> in Denver, Colorado, <laughs> literally, they, they are, that's how, that's how into it they subscribe. So they're like, they get excited when they get that newsletter. They're like, are we going to Iowa this weekend or not? And they literally, they, they do check that out. And it's kind of cool. It's, it, it literally, it's all the major lakes, all the major rivers, points and everything. So um, yep. I know that, that that takes a lot of uh, work. A lot of people don't realize that takes a Absolutely. lot of work. Yeah. And, you know, there are other states, like if you go to the outdoor news for Minnesota, mm-hmm. they have a fishing report. Well, that's from the bait shops, you know? Mm. So there's a vested interest from someone to get you to go somewhere and try to fish. This is from, in Iowa, it's from our biologists and our DNR fishery staff. We want you to go fishing, but we don't have a vested interest in saying, oh yeah, you better come here and buy this bait from my bait shop, you know? That, right. that's not how it goes yeah, we we want you to go catch fish we're asking questions of people we're getting reports from our start state park staff from from bait shops you know people that are in the know and we're providing that information so people can go and catch more fish because that's what we want we want people to catch fish mm-hmm. yeah i noticed like when i i've been traveling to different states to fish uh, just to, you know, try out different fisheries. And, you know, I try to look at their fishing reports and like, they're kind of like outdated. I was like, wow. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'm just used to our fishing reports was just like every week. But let's say I look at Kansas, their stuff is like three weeks old, a month old. Yep. I was like, uh, yes. this doesn't really help. <laughs> right. No, we do ours every week, every yeah. week. Yep. No, it's, um, I think we're spoiled, man. I'm not gonna like it. We, I, I, Iowa fishing, because I okay, because I lived in uh, California for what, like 12, 13 years uh, for a while, and then I moved back. 
I'm telling you, the fishing, I mean, it's great. It's fine over there in California. It's not like Iowa. Something about the Iowa, like you're saying, I, the water, the the nutrients, everything. It's the fishing here is phenomenal. So it is. It's a re, it's a reason it really why is. people from around the states they come here to fish. Oh. So, but you got kid, anything else? I mean, man, you you got some banger questions, <laughs> man. It's awesome. But if not, it's all good. I mean, because man, two hour. This is gonna be uh, FYI, Jeff. This is probably the longest podcast we've done with anyone. Yeah. So it's and we uh, haven't even talked about trout. Oh. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty spoiled <laughs> with trout. Cause we, I think I did a podcast, we were talking about trout before, but uh, Colorado trout is really nice. <laughs> it, it is. So I, but I, I tell was, you what, okay. when you go to fish for a trout in Colorado, yes. let, let's say you are going to go fishing for a trout tomorrow and you have a choice to fish in Colorado for a trout, which is going to be awesome. But when you look up around you, yes, you see mountains, but you also only <laughs> see aspen leaves that are golden. Now, if you go in northeast Iowa mm-hmm. tomorrow and fish for a trout, you're going to catch an equivalent trout and the environment around you when you catch that fish is going to be breathtaking. Hmm. Yeah, I used to make that trip like a couple times a year. I haven't done it in a while. Up in the backbone area? Is that everywhere? Every trout stream has phenomenal trees around it. Every last one of them, because they're all protected to some degree. If there are trout in that stream, it's because the land use is not just row crop, but there's also timber and everything else. And if there's timber, you're going to be in a place where the trees tomorrow are phenomenal Mm. out of this world you're gonna and rivers in iowa in general when you are driving across the landscape you see one thing when you're floating a river in iowa you don't see the same thing everything is different when you're in a river everything is different when you're in a trout stream Hmm. you feel like you're in a different place they call that area the driftless area right yes absolutely you're correct great call right there that the driftless means that was not covered over by the last glacier so it's a lot older landscape a lot more rock less hmm. less of that really pr- super productive topsoil a lot more rock a lot more timber a lot more rugged because it 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 wasn't flattened out by the last glacier yeah that's why it like it looks so different compared to the rest of iowa it does absolutely yeah. it does it's super cool i agree when i, when I go I, when i have to go up there so when when i go up there and help them out you can't see this on the screen but i'm six seven two sixty not a small guy <laughs> the, the big beer doesn't look that big in my hand yeah. it but, right <laughs> So I go up there and help them collect the trout for going in the hatchery. Well, they've got this great big, it's not great big. It's like a four by eight sheet of plywood size barge shocker that they have to pull through the trout stream. So they invite me up to help them because they need somebody big and dumb to just <laughs> pull that thing upstream. While the re- they do the real work, they, they walk around and they shock the fish and they gather the fish and all that stuff. And they're just like, hey, can you come up and help us so you can drag the barge upstream? <laughs> Whatever. 
<laughs> it's fun though because it gets me out of behind my computer screen and actually out 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 in the landscape and on the water and where things are pretty awesome all right well, i think um because i i think we're gonna have to do some more camping trips up there kit so oh absolutely backbone yeah. Waterloo Creek is pretty phenomenal. Mm. And a float trip on the upper Iowa, you need to take your kids and do a float trip on the upper float Iowa. Trip. Okay. I'll have to jot that down. Once the eight month old is old enough, I'm definitely going to be doing uh, more and more of those, those trips. So. Absolutely. Sounds yeah. good. Hey, my battery's about to run out on my camera. No, my battery's <laughs> about out on my laptop. Oh, that's a good thing, man. That means that we all had fun and we're learning stuff. So that's cool, man. So, man, Jeff, uh, we got we got to have Jeff back on. I mean, absolutely, I anytime. I'd I'd love to do awesome. this again because because you, you're giving um amazing knowledge to. I mean, to me, I, I feel like you're just giving amazing knowledge in, in a good way that a lot of the general public like myself had no idea about so it's 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 awesome so yeah this this is all priceless like i'm just i think so taking it all in yeah anytime uh, i'm i'm happy to share happy to come on i love doing this because i i want people to fish i want people to enjoy iowa's natural resources i want everybody to catch more fish all the time cool so other than that man we'll, we'll definitely have jeff back on uh but we've we've kept them way too long, so I I, I totally apologize for that. But you know what? Not really, because there's a lot of information. What you got, Kit? Go ahead. All right. So before we uh um, close out for today, so if people want to contact you, Jeff, you know your social media, Twitter, whatever, your podcast, you know, you just want to throw that stuff out there. Yep. Uh, you bet. So my Twitter is at Jeff Kapaska, um, and uh, DNR Jeff dot Kapaska at DNR and 515-204-8021 is my phone number. It's my DNR phone number. Just give me a call and uh, I, I'll be happy to answer, do whatever I can. You bet. Cool. All Sounds right. Good. Cool. Sounds good. Other than that, thank you so much, Jeff. We definitely appreciate the knowledge, man. Absolutely. Anytime. Let's do this again, fellas. Yeah, yeah for sure. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.